Saf O'Neill knows about this. She's been immersed with people in the UK, seeing how they, and perhaps we, are dealing with it through pictures. What were you doing in Melbourne way back? I was working as a postdoc, so that's my first job out of PhD, with Professor John Barnett in the Geography Department at University of Melbourne. What was your study? I was studying social and cultural dimensions of climate change. Some of it involved doing fieldwork in places like Lakes Entrance and just generally being based in Melbourne and having a wonderful time and still feeling very homesick for those Australian days. <laughs> and what was your impression of public reaction to the clear onset of climate change? Interesting question. So I think we start to say changes in about the mid-2000s in Australia and the UK in public opinion about climate change. Climate change is an issue. It really starts to be picked up in public polls and so on. But I wouldn't say there's ever been a sort of tipping point where there's been a change. But we do now see large-scale public support across most countries for climate action. And that's very stable over time, actually. And so what do you do, say, round the town here in Exeter to show people images of what happens yeah, so the event we're doing for the British Science Festival is all about trying to connect people's local, everyday lives to climate change. Because climate change often feels like something that happens somewhere else to somebody else and not something that happens in your backyard. But we all know we're going to have to adapt our lives, change how we live, deal with things like flooding, increasing heat waves and so on, and drought, and also reduce the greenhouse gas emissions. So how we drive, how we heat our homes and so on. So the workshop that we're running is all about people taking photos to try and connect up what might seem at first sight quite disparate sort of issues, everyday lives with climate change. Well, an awful lot of people in Australia, as you probably know, have still, years later, faced the fact that their homes went and the forests came down, billions of animals and plants died and the shock has been overwhelming. Trying to cope with no home or half a home, nothing was as severe as that here in Britain. So there have been events that have really challenged people in Britain, but certainly Australia really is at the forefront, I would agree, with those extreme climate impacts and the floods in Queensland. You mentioned just there, but you could just add to the kind of list of extreme events that Australians are grappling with. But I think wherever you are in the world, you're seeing often the signature. Scientists have proven the fingerprint of climate change on many of the extreme weather events that we're seeing day to day. Are those the sort of pictures you take around town or not? Yeah, so there's a mix. What we're really interested in is not necessarily the pictures themselves that people take, although they're always interesting to look at and analyse and understand, but it's about the stories that go behind those and the way that they kind of link from people's everyday experience to what they really value and care about and are interested in. That We're sort of using photography as that link, if you like. And what impressions? What do they say? Well, things that people care about. I'm always surprised. People will talk about things like polar bears and say how much they care. And also about tiny little speck-like insects also in their backyard. You know, so the scale is vast and across all different sorts of living species, landscapes, built environments, lots of different things. People are unpredictable, but it really is the storylines that we're interested in. Why are people caring about those things and how can we use it to sort of spark a conversation on climate change? It's quite interesting, isn't it? Because in Australia, that would be recognised as an indigenous phrase, talking about country, the fine detail, what you know about the place, the fine detail, as you said, the insects and the tiny plants, as well as the bigger picture. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think we've got all got a lot to learn from Indigenous perspectives. And it's really good to see some of that now coming through. I know the University of Melbourne uh, has various initiatives around Indigenous scholarships and so on. So much that we can do in our institutions like the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change and other fora, you know, to learn from those Indigenous perspectives of connection to land and to country. Is it bringing people together in certain small places, towns, who knows, and parts of the country to do things together that you know about? Yeah, so climate change can be a kind of uniting factor, people realising that the things that they value are at risk. It might be something like a coral reef, it might be something like a school playground and how it's threatened by flooding. Those things can be a kind of coalescing events, I think, for communities to come together. Despite what their political values might be, they actually have significant shared values. It can be the start of many a conversation. You mean Conservatives can talk to Labour? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think there's much that's been made in the Anglosphere, so the US, UK, Australia, about the divisions, the things that separate us in climate politics. And for sure, we're not denying that those things exist, but I think often those voices, that minority, becomes amplified. They're often powerful voices in the society, for example, but they don't actually represent the majority of people. There's a lot of common ground that can be found on climate action, climate solutions. But also, to make things happen, happen in councils and in government, you need to have the people who used to be there in the civil service, who knew how to do things, solve problems, use their experience to get on with. Many of those have been fired both in Australia and in Britain. So you've got farces going on at the moment, for instance, with that sort of bubbly concrete causing any number of schools and hospitals and whatever to be closed down. And (laughs) you wonder when the corner's going to be turned for the people who can actually make things happen. Uh, Yes, I'm not sure what I can do, but uh, to agree with that, my nephew is out of school on this very day because his school is closed at the moment because of that bubbly concrete. So, yeah, these are important jobs that need sustained investment and support to carry out sometimes the mundane jobs that really keep society ticking over and looking to the future. Final question, really, as a researcher, as a person who's an academic, what's your line of investigation taking these days? So I'm really interested in the role of images, particularly in how people engage with climate change. And by that, I mean how they live with it, how they understand it, what they value, how it might affect what action they might take from everyday decisions like how they get to work, how they get to school, what food they eat, to you know bigger decisions like how they might vote. So yeah, we're interested in how images shape people's values and behaviours. That's really our focus. As if it's surprising you, in other words, taking that almost lateral way of looking instead of doing a spreadsheet with questionnaires and so on looking at that kind of visual way of finding out what they're thinking and doing yeah well as academics particularly we tend to be really focused on the written word and forget that the images are really they're ubiquitous they're everywhere they surround us and they're really powerful if there's big news like you know when the twin towers fell that wasn't covered in words there were pictures and we know that images can be really powerful in connecting with people about an issue so i think yeah we need to consider the role of the visual even as we speak in the radio show saffron o'neill is professor of climate and society at the university of exeter and i noticed by the way that former prime minister tony abbott was quoted in the sydney morning herald a few days ago saying the climate change cult will be defeated one day